Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our church's podcast. This week's sermon is from our series Alpha and Omega. To learn more information about Sturkey Hills, you can find us at sturkey.church. Oh, and don't forget to hit subscribe to our podcast so that you can always stay up to date with our latest messages. We're so thankful for all that God has been doing in the life of our church and the part that you play in it. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day. Well, amen. That, that was our transitional time. Uh, a little over four years ago when this revitalization began, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And uh, just for the record, it was Pastor Appreciation Month, not that I'm making an announcement so you can appreciate your pastor. Because honestly, the greatest honor uh, is the fact that we get to pastor here. I have friends of mine, they'll call, hey, you know of any openings? You know, I never do that. I have people say, hey, would you come and, and consider coming and preach? No. I'm right here is where God has called me to be. He may change it tomorrow, but this is, this is the spot. And I am delighted to be in the center of God's will regarding his plan and purpose in, for my ministry and my life. And, 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 and it's an honor. It is a, the honor is mine. And I mean that from the, from the marrow of my bones. And so, uh, uh, so we're going to talk about vision today. But to do that, we are in the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 1 verse 19, uh, Jesus gives an outline to John the Revelator. And he says in 119, he said, I want you to write this thing, this, this letter to the seven churches. And I want you to break it down into three primary components or uh, uh, I'm giving you an outline. So he says, I want you to write the things which you saw. That's chapter 1. That is the resurrected, glorified Jesus like nobody had ever seen him before. And then he says, I want you to write the things which are. That is the state of the church, the church age, from its inception in Acts until Jesus returns for his bride, the church. That's how we believe it. And that uh, lasts for two chapters, chapter 2 and chapter 3. Chapter 4 through the end is about the things, uh, he says in 119, then I want you to write the things which, which must take place after this. So these are the things in the future. So we are in the church age. The church, God's not finished with the church. He's still building the church. And so we are in the church age. Now, today we're going to look real briefly to lay the groundwork of the foundation for casting vision to the church at Sardis found in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Look at your neighbor and say, we don't want to be that church. The title of the vision for 2019 is Beyond These Walls. Tell your neighbor, Beyond These Walls. See, the church, what it does is it gets in this place, this flatline zone where it looks around and asks each other within the walls, hey, are you happy? Yeah, I'm happy. Do you, mean, you like the music? Yeah, I like the music. Yeah, it was, I don't know what that was, the round of... I don't know. It's good. Did that come from me? I don't know. Okay. He, he says, he says we, we ask each other, we say, you know, well, as long as I'm happy, as long as us four know more, as long as we're happy, everything's good. Wrong. That is dead cold wrong. That's what happens in the autopsy of a dead church. That's what it looks like. They stop, they start worrying about each other and they stop worrying about, they stop considering that there is a lost world completely around these four walls. And so we've got to be considerate of what's out there. Now, when we don't, it looks like this. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, To the angel, this is Jesus speaking, he says, To the angel of the church in Sardis, write the following. This is the solemn pronouncement of the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds, that you have a reputation that you are alive, but in reality, you are dead. So wake up then and strengthen what remains that was about to die, because I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Therefore, remember what you received and heard and obey and 
repent. Now, I'm going to pause right there because that tells us enough about this church. He gives an autopsy. He gives a coroner's report to the church at Sardis. And, and if you had to sum it up, he would use a television series to define it. It would be called The Walking Dead. Now, we live in a world that is obsessed with zombies. I, if you watch The Walking Dead, just go ahead and confess it before Jesus. Raise your hand. Okay, okay, there you go. And people just eat that thing up. I mean, that series it gets a whole lot of support. I've never watched one episode. And everybody tells me, if you watch one, you'd, you'd want to watch it. I, I just ain't crazy about dead people acting like live people, eating on people. I am not a fan of that. Okay, Jesus saved me from an eternity of that, I think. Okay, so I don't watch that. But if Jesus was defining this church, he would say, you, Church of Sardis, are the walking dead. You look like you're alive. You have some of the uh, characteristics of something alive, but you are dead. What a pronouncement upon his church that you are dead. Now, in this thing, he reaches back into chapter one, where, he, where, where we see a description of the resurrected, glorified Jesus. And he, just like he does with all of the churches, he takes hold of one of his characteristics and applies it to a particular church. In this case, he says, I am the one who holds the seven spirits and the seven stars in my hand. We talked about that in chapter one, that the seven spirits is in fact the complete, the full Holy Spirit of God. There are not seven spirits. There's only one spirit. When we looked in Isaiah, we found the sevenfold manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. He says, I hold the Holy Spirit in my hand. And in the other hand, he says, I have the seven stars. The seven stars, the word Greek word is angelos, and it can mean angel, but it really means messenger. So most people, many people, theologians believe that he's talking about the pastors. He said, I got in this hand the Holy Spirit of God, my spirit. He says, in the other hand, I've got the pastors of the church. Now, here's the question. If he's speaking to a church, one of the seven, and he's got all seven pastors in his hand, and he's speaking to the church, and he says, and I've got the Holy Spirit in my hand. You know what that says about that church? They don't have a pastor, and they don't have the Holy Spirit. And if a church doesn't have a pastor, God called, God, Holy Spirit-led pastor, and if the church does not have the presence of the Holy Spirit, it is dead. Now, that's what he's saying, and I'll be honest with you. We've been in some of those churches. Anybody ever been to a church, and you just walk out of that place, and, man, you just feel like you need a toboggan, man. You're freezing to death from leaving that church. And when somebody says, how was church? Well, it was okay, but it was kind of, what's the word? Kind of dead. Okay, kind of dead. We don't want to be a part of an old dead church, okay? Because a dead church is not a church that God will use. And so what makes a church dead? What makes a church alive, and how do you measure such a thing? It's because it's, it's hard. It's not like tangible. The Holy Spirit is not tangible. You can't, you can't grab the Holy Spirit. You can't see the Holy Spirit. All you can do is like the wind. You can't see it, but you feel and see the effects of it. So in the church, what does that look like? Well, you look at, at how the church is doing in terms of its kingdom agenda. How well does a church align itself with the mission of Jesus Christ? And you say, well, what is that? Okay, well, Jesus said, a great commission, go ye therefore into all the world, making disciples and baptizing them. So are people getting saved? Are people getting baptized? 
You listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Is the church growing? Is Jesus growing his church in your local assembly? What else does it mean? It means, uh, are you on the mission? Uh, Are you a part of his mission agenda? Are you sharing the love of Jesus with a lost and dying world? They asked Jesus, they said, uh, what is the greatest commandment of the 10? They're trying to stump Jesus. He goes, well, actually it's not 10. I call it 11. He said, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he's got the second one, which I call 11B. It's on the back of our food trailer. And And he says, it's to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, if you'll do these two things, you can hang the whole law and all of the prophets on this thing. If you love God and love people. So, so that's how you look at a church and say, okay, is a church dead or alive? What does that look like? You see in the world today, there's a lot of people who profess Christianity, but, but they are dead. They don't have the spirit alive in them. They want a ticket to heaven, man. They want to think and sometimes believe that when they die, they're going to spend eternity in heaven. But when God comes in and looks at their heart, he says, you are dead Mm, because there's no spirit in you. The Bible in 2 Timothy 3 says this, realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. They'll be boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, uh, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, yet denying the power therein. Avoid such men as these. And you may be sitting there saying, yeah, Brother Joel, that's a hard scripture, but that ain't the world we live in. If you think that, you got your head buried in the sand and you do not own a television, all right? If you watch the news, I don't care what flavor, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, whatever flavor, if you watch any news at all and you see that people are willing to try to blow up people, people are walking into a Jewish synagogue and shooting people at a baby naming ceremony, and you watch politicians throw mud and everything else at each other, and you look around at our society and you don't agree that we live in a world that professes some form of godliness, but denies any power therein. That's where we live. But you see, the church is called out different. It says, come out from among them and be separate. Come out and be sanctified, to be separated for God's use. That's what the church is. We said it last week. We are not called to embrace a lost and dying world. We're called to impact it. We're called to take the good gospel of Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and penetrate a lost and dying world for the kingdom of God. Amen, Brother Joel. That's what we're called to do. Thought I'd help you out right there because you didn't get it. Okay? It reminds me of that story. It's an old Baptist church, and, and, and this visitor came in one day, and the preacher said something real hard, and that man said, Amen! Some of the deacons looked around at him. A few minutes later, Preacher said something else. This guy said, amen. Deacon went over. He said, excuse me, sir. I keep hearing you make a lot of noise over here. What's up with that? He said, I don't know. When he said that, I just felt the Holy Spirit. He said, you didn't feel him here. You need to be quiet. (laughs) Crickets. Crickets. (laughs) Just saying. Okay. I'm just saying. All right. 
When the Holy Spirit of God comes into your life and stirs your soul and rescues your being, okay, when Jesus changes you like the picture of baptism where he takes the old you and buries you and resurrects you to new life, it should change everything about you and not just on Sunday morning. So how do we know? Well, is this, how do we know if the church is dead? Well, if the Spirit of God is at work in the lives of those who are part of the church, if you show up and you say, well, there's something different about that place, okay, well, you can't manufacture the Spirit of God. You can try, people often try, but you can't manufacture the reality of God's presence in a place or in a life. Is the Spirit of God at work in the leadership in that church? Is the Spirit of God at work through the things that it undertakes to do? Is God's hand of blessing on the things that that church undertakes to do called by God to accomplish the mission? How do you measure it? Well, you measure it by seeing numerical growth. Is the church growing or is it declining? Most of the churches in America are declining. Most of the churches in much of the world is declining. It has to grow numerically. I want you to know, well, you're one of them preachers all about numbers. I say it all the time. Yes, I am. God's okay with numbers. He named the whole book Numbers. He's okay with it. Jesus said, I left the 99 to reach the one. He's okay with numbers. Every number represents a soul. Every soul is a creation of God that God loves and has died for. We are about numbers. And listen to me, if we are not growing numerically, we are declining numerically. Why? Because of attrition. What is that? People die. People move. People get married. People get mad at the preacher. People, whatever, whatever, whatever. There is a a door of of exodus in the church. And if you don't have an influx of more people than you have in the outflux, you are a declining church. And a declining church becomes a dead church. And so what does that mean? What does that mean? What does it look like for the church at Sturkey Hills? Well, that video that we showed as an intro video was um, four, a little over four years ago. And what happened was the church at Sturkey Hills had hit a real hard time. And I'm going to be honest with you. I tell people all the time, it, who's, who's been in, in the middle of church woe, church trouble? Anybody been a part of church trouble? Okay. Well, where does church trouble comes from? come from? Sometimes it comes from the preacher. Sometimes it comes from the people. All of it is launched from the pits of hell caused by the enemy because he hates the church. Why? Because he hates anything that Jesus loves, okay? And let me just go ahead and tell you now, you should love your church. And if you don't love this one, find one you can love, okay? Because you must love the church. You say, that's kind of hard. You should be faithful to church, attending church, wanting to be. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourself uh, together, as is common with some, even more so as you see his day approaching, his imminent return. You say, well, I'm just not crazy about the church. I can be a Christian and not go to church. You can be a Christian and not go to church, but you cannot be a good one. I'm just saying, okay? You say, well, I'm just not crazy about the church. There's some old nasty people in the church. You have to love the church. You have no option but to love the church. God loves the church. Jesus died to make the church. You are called as a follower of Jesus to love Jesus and anything Jesus loves. And the church is his bride. You, men, you love your bride, don't you? It's a good opportunity to shout, yes, I do. Okay? You missed it. I had to coach you. Okay? Yeah, you love your wife. And if I come out today, when y'all are coming out and I say, I noticed your wife, she looked a little rough today, you have, my, you have my permission to punch me in the mouth in Jesus' name. 
okay? Because you ought not talk about somebody's bride like that, right? It's the same with the church. We're the bride of Christ. Don't be bad-mouthing the church. Don't get me wrong. There's some nasty people in the church, and some of them are saved. They're backslidden, full of the devil, uh, uh, vacant God. The Holy Spirit of God is vacant from leading their life, okay? And then there's some that's just lost. There's, a lot of, lot, there's lost folks in here right now playing religion and going to hell when you die because you will not surrender your life to Jesus because of pridefulness or whatever reason. Okay, it's real and it's true. So what we do is we, we make a statement about the church because of a few bad apples. Okay, now let's talk about Sturkey Hills. So, so four and a half years ago or so, the church at Sturkey Hills hit a hard time because they had, their problem at that point was a pastor. Pastor created a little bit of a mess, okay? And I'm not going to get into that, but a lot of people left, and they were down. They were, they, I tell people they'd gotten older, they'd gotten sicker, they'd gotten broker, they'd gotten tireder, okay? And don't correct my English. I don't really care, okay? Now, um, so they reached out for help, which, which is amazing that people would say, We'll do whatever it takes for God's church not to die. Now watch this. So four and a half years ago, I want to honor those who were here willing to say, we need help and we'll take it. If you were a part of the, amen to you too, if you were a part of Sturkey Hills uh, four years ago before the revitalization, I want you to stand up. If you were a part of Sturkey Hills, now watch this. Look, everybody look, okay? These are the people who were here before. Amen. I want to tell you all, listen to me, amen. You can be seated. I want to tell you, I love you. I, last night, I was at a, a, a cookout in my neighborhood, and somebody said, yeah, it looks like your church is growing. I said, let me tell you something. I said, we got over there. There was the most amazing group of people at the church at Sturkey Hills. They love me. I love them. You all know I love you, and I know you love me. It's amazing. I love that. It, it's supposed to be that way in the church, for crying out loud, okay? And, and so, so it was amazing, and you all, and, and you all trusted me and, and, and embraced change. And, uh, change can be hard. You know, we look at it every morning in the mirror, you know, and uh, change is hard. But you all embraced it, and here we are today. Now, watch this. If you have... Um, if you came with me from Second Baptist Church as a missionary, I want you to stand up. If you came with me from Second Baptist Church as a missionary. Okay, look at this. All right, see there? Isn't that, okay, listen. Yeah, listen. I, I love you guys. I loved y'all when we was over there. I love y'all here. I love your babies. I love your families. I mean, and most of y'all love me. It's awesome. Okay, I love you all. And I mean it. You know, and you know I do. I, don't even, I can tell you that those are just words because you know my heart. Now watch this, church. If you are not a part of Sturkey Hills, not a part of Second Baptist, in other words, everybody else, stand up. Watch this. Now, all right, check this out. I love you all too. Visitors, guests, new members, you can be seated. I love you all too. To God be the glory. That's what God does in his church when we let him and stay out of his way. When, listen, y'all, amen. Listen, when, when we stop trying to play God, when we stop trying to be, oh, I'm the Holy Spirit, I can convict you of your sin. Okay, when we stop trying to run an interference route in what God is trying to do, in Jesus accomplishing what he said, I will build my church. He will build his church. He promised that. And all we're supposed to do is say, wow, what an amazing agenda. 
while I'm amazed you let me be a part of it? How can I serve you, King Jesus, to help you accomplish your will and your mission in this world? So in our church, it looks like this. Many of you should have gotten one of these. If you didn't get an envelope, I want you to raise your hand for me. If you didn't get one of these envelopes, did everybody get one? Um, Kyle, will you pass a few of those out? Just keep your hand up because I want you to have one. I want you to have one. Okay, this is really good information. Did anybody already open it in the early service? I said, I hope you didn't open them. And there was a visitor. I didn't know it was a visitor. And I looked over and she's trying to shove it back in there. You know, I told her, I said, it reminded me taking a test like ACT. You know, I'm already reading the questions. They said, don't open your package. You know, you know. You know, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay, now, so inside of this, I I, want to show you. We've got it on the board. You don't have to look at the paper. I've got it right here on the board. I want want to show you what God has done. I do not pretend to take any credit for anything other than mistakes. I tell people all the time, I, your pastor, am a product of a huge and loving God, wonderful parents, and a great wife. And I give them credit for everything good. The rest of the stuff, the bad stuff... That's all me, okay? I got that one. Okay, now watch this. This is what God has done. Look at your neighbor and say, God did this, okay? So here's what he did. Uh, This is our church, tracing our church's growth over the last four and a half years. And oh no, that's such a cool thing in my pocket. Now it's gone. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, been a long time since I got to play with a pointer. And if you're ADD, you're like a cat when a pointer comes out. You know what I'm saying? All right. So here, here was, here was Sturkey Hills in the spring of 2014. Right here is where we came over here with them and some others. We, t- we, we did a little promo and some people came. And then here it went to here when we launched it in the fall of 2014. So our attendance went, the attendance in 2013 was average of 72. And so we went to uh, 139 average by the end of the year. That's a 90% growth. It, it, I can't make that up. That's, those are real numbers. We can show you the facts, okay? And then the second year, uh, we, we grow, grew, we growed. There's a good word for you right there. That's why you got me as pastor, because I'm sharp, okay? You got this, these numbers right here, okay, which is, which is uh, we grew to 217 which is 56% growth. Again, staggering in the, in the world of church. It really is. It really, it really, really is amazing what God has done. Okay, so, so, so we got to go flat sometime. Well, we hit a little flat spot right here, okay? We went from 217 to 234, 8% growth. Compared to those other numbers, that's terrible. Compared to the world, it's amazing, okay? It's even a great year, but it looks terrible because of what it's compared to. Why is that? Well, Tom Rainer Research tells us that the third year of a revitalization or a church plant is the hardest year. It's like the third day of recovery from surgery is the worst day of, of most painful day of recovery. It's just one of those things about the three. And so, so it went a little flat, but we navigated through it and ended up 8% growth. Then in 2017, we went from 234 to 281, and we had, whatever that number is, 20% growth. Then we went from there this year through August. Our, our year runs August to, August to uh, July. Uh, and so we went from uh, 281 to 320. Where's my little? There he is. To 320, 14% growth. Okay, so what does that mean in terms of growth? It means if we just did a, a marginal 12% growth in 2019 beyond these walls, part of it is church growth. It means if we just did marginal growth at 12%, we'll be running 358 by the end of 2019. But that's not our goal. 
Our Beyond These Walls goals is 400. Let me show you why. It's beautiful what God has done. When you take these numbers, you take out this big one right here, you could say, well, that's synthetic because you brought uh, 50, 60 people over from Second Baptist. If you just do this percent, these percentages, 56 and, and 8 and 20 and 14, that's 98. You divide it by 4, you end up with 24.5% growth. The average, if we meet the average of how we've grown, our church grows to 400. And it's not about you, and it's not about me, and it's not about a name. It's about the kingdom of God. And it includes unchurched people, people moving to our neighborhood, lost people. It includes de-churched people, people who've gotten frustrated, mad at the preacher, somebody hurt their feelings, don't agree with this or that. It includes them, and it includes babies. And praise Jesus for babies. Don't you drink the water? I'm going to show you in a minute. We got some babies. Amen? All right. I love it. So, so some people have trouble seeing a bar, jar, a bar chart like this. This is what it looks like in line four. Now, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're tracking your own financial growth. I don't care if you own a company. I don't care if you're tracking improvement in scores of grades in your classroom. If you plot it and it looks like that, you're a rock star, okay? I'm not the rock star. Listen to me. Jesus, the resurrected, glorified king of the universe, is the rock star. And this, when he says, I'm going to build my church, and we get out of the way, this is what it looks like. And I don't know what this curve looks like, but I'm, I'm praying that God grows his curve like this. Amen. Amen, Brother Joel. It'd be a good opportunity to praise the Lord for what he's done in the life of our church. I'm just saying. Now, the next part of it, I just want to tell you, it takes money to do ministry. And people, yeah, that preacher, he just about the money. Okay, I know you've said it, thought it, heard some. I mean, you've heard somebody. You didn't say it. You, you're much better than that, more spiritual. Okay, but you know somebody that said that. Well, if a preacher, one, doesn't show you in the Bible how God will honor and bless your financial resources when you open your hands and let them go, if he doesn't tell you that, he is robbing you from a blessing, Okay. We, we have a world of people in the church who say, I trust him with my forever soul. When I die, I'm going to heaven, going to spend eternity there. Got a mansion. Hey, go on and on about heaven. Give. Oh, well, no, I, I take care of that myself. You're going to trust him with your soul, and you're going to try to hold on to your finances. When we open our hands with everything we have, God honors everything we have, and he blesses. And it's not prosperity gospel. It's scripture, okay? And it takes money to do ministry. It just simply does. And, and so... This is what our money looks like. This is 2013. It was kind of a flat line. They were, they were really trying to hang on to survive. You remember those days, some of you that were sturkey. Okay. And I remember, I got to tell a story on Dr. Ed Anderson. He was kind of one of the trustees over the finances, and he was, he was battling cancer. I was over at his house sitting on his couch. He said, Brother Joe, I'm a little bit embarrassed. And I said, what about? He said, our budget for next year is going to be $78,000 for the year. And I said, Dr. Ed, it's, it's going to be better than that. And he said, what's it going to be? And he had a notepad, legal pad, and I said, it's going to be 238000 He said, where are we going to get that money? I said, it's already coming in. He, he dropped his clipboard or his uh, notepad. He said, we're going to be rolling in the dough. Right? <laughs> it wasn't long after that. He went on to be with Jesus. Amen. All right. He knew. He felt it. He knew. He knew God. He knew when they came over here to be a part of this church, God had a purpose for this place on this hill. Okay. So here, here's what happened. It went from there to here. There's that little soft spot, okay? Then it went to here. Then President Trump got, a, in, uh, uh, got voted in right there. I mean, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, okay? A little bit, all right? 
The Lord blessed us. You can call it, you can name it, you can call it however you want to call it, but he's blessing us and it's off the charts. Okay, off the charts, and that's what he's doing. And you say, well, why didn't you put this quarter? Because we've already finished October. October was a stellar month. November will be off the charts because it's our first fruits offering, which I'll cover in a few minutes. Okay, and then and December will be a great. So I'm not going to put that on there because I'm not going to limit God because I want him to blow the doors off of what he wants to do in the future. Amen? Now, so that's who we are financially. Now, I want to show you another thing. I, w- I want you to know who we are in terms of the church. Next slide, please. Okay, so we, Kyle and I went to a conference, and, and they talked about the Southern Baptist Convention. Let me just go ahead and tell you. People ask all the time. So you pastor over at Sturgeon Hills. Yes, I do. What kind of church is that? It's a good one. That's what it is. Okay, they said, what, what, what flavor? You know, what denomination? I said, we're Baptists. We're part of Second Baptist in Clinton. I'm proud of being Baptist. Hey, okay? And people say, well, I don't know about all those names. You know, I'm non-denominational. It means you are uncommitted to totally anything. Okay, it means, it means I am a member of the non-denominational denomination. Okay, that's what that means. Okay, do, are Baptists perfect? Do they have all their theologies and doctrine all worked out? No, and neither do the rest of them, but we're pursuing it. And I'm telling you, we're a Baptist church, and it's a good church, and we're part of a great church, which is Second Baptist in Clinton. Glory be to God. He is at work in the life of, ch- of our church, and it doesn't matter what name you put on the outside. What matters, oh man, is the name that is proclaimed on the inside. Amen. I ain't never said it. That's the truth. All right. So, so, hi, that was good. I hear you. So, in, in the Baptist churches in America, I don't know what all that is. My cat, I might use that on somebody's cat, okay? Right in the eye, because I hate cats, okay? I'm just kidding, kind of. All right, so here we go. 34,000 Southern Baptist churches in America, 34,000, way down from what it used to be, because churches are dying of all flavors, okay? And... In, the, in this range of weekly attendance, 0 to 124, it comprises 25,000 of those, 73.5%. And they average, 2%, they average two baptisms per year. I want you to know this. We, our baptisms in the Southern Baptist Convention are the lowest they've been since 1948. I think it's 1948. That's terrible. And we still lead the pack among all denominations of baptisms and conversions. So the state of the church right now is pitiful. Why? Is it because Jesus decided to no longer build his church? No. It's because the church stopped being who the church was called and commissioned to be. And, and he stops being able to use it. And so, so let's move on up. We go to this next one. Okay, we go to this next one. It's 125 to 249. 5,300 of them. That makes up uh, uh, 15.5%. Then you go to this one, 250 to 499. Standing alone, not a part of second, that's where we are. We run, we average uh, 320 uh, this year. So we're in this category by ourselves without second. <clears throat> and baptisms, the average is 14, and we're right on track with that. So, so this is what happened. We were down at this conference, and he's showing these stats, and I'm like, okay, that's my category. 14. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're right in there with the tops, okay, because we're ahead of the national average. And the whole time the Holy Spirit's saying, yeah, don't, don't get too excited. That's pitiful. And I'm, yeah, I kind of forgot. Okay, sorry about that, Jesus, okay? And later I told Kyle, and he said, I felt the same thing. I said, well, let's change it, okay? We don't want to be the church that's just over here having a little meeting, you know, a club we want to be a church that's in, engaging, the, engaging the world with the gospel. And, and, and so, so our goal for next year is 25. I'm praying it's 50, but our goal is 25. We've had five. We just did two in the early service, two today, one a few weeks ago. 
Not there he sits. Now he's still here. I love when that happens. Okay. Now we go to the next one. This is Second Baptist without us, because they run about eight some about eight hundred in attendance. There's only nine hundred churches in all of America, Southern Baptist churches, that are in this range. Okay. They average twenty-eight. Okay. Now here's the thing. Churches of a thousand or more Baptist churches in America, there's there's only five hundred in America. And some of those, like Second Baptist Houston, have twenty-five thousand people. Okay, even in our own community, uh, there's big, 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 big churches in there. So in that, 79 is the average baptisms. I want you to know that as a, as a combined church, Second Baptist and Cirque Hills, we, we had 81 baptisms. We want 125. And so that's our goal for next year as a combined church. Now, that's what that looks like. That's what that looks like on a pie. So, so what does that mean, and how uh, do we move forward with that information? Well, we thought about that too. How do you reach the world? Because it's a daunting task, okay? And we were at this conference, and this guy said he went to plant a church in Las Vegas, and he had never been there. He was called to plant a church, had never even visited, which is good for a Baptist preacher that he didn't frequent Las Vegas, you know, cha-ching. And so, I mean, it doesn't look good to pass it. Mama need a new pair of shoes, you know, and that just doesn't work well, doesn't play well on Facebook, all right? So, so he goes out there, sight unseen, and first thing he did, he bought a map, and he put a dot of where his house was going to be, and he thought, oh, no, how am I going to reach this world? So I kind of copied that because, you know, I copy a lot of what Paul says, John, you know, when I preach. So I'll just go ahead and plagiarize this too. So this is, this is where you live. This is where you live right here, okay? And it, it includes all the way up into Anderson County up at North Lake. It goes out in East Knoxville. West Knoxville, Oak Ridge, West Knoxville, and then South Knoxville. And this is downtown Knoxville. And this is where you're sitting today, right here. Okay. Now you say, how do we reach the world? How do we change our communities? Listen, that's not the church. This is not the church. You are the church. Tell your neighbor, you're the church. Tell your neighbor, this is just where the church meets. The church shows up here on Sundays and Wednesdays and other days just to get, get refueled, to be revived, to be set on fire, to assemble together, to encourage each other, to edify, to love each other, to hear God's word preached, to worship him in song, and to pray so we can go out and impact our world. So, so this is not the church. I want you to know, this is not the church. You are the church. So then, if you're the church, we do this. We say, okay, a few weeks ago, we ask, a lot of, we ask everybody to fill out a card and to give us your information of where you live because you're the church and you are called to reach your circle of influence, your work, your school, your neighborhood. I got to go to a, a community get-together on our street because we just moved in a few months ago and a guy from Second, a friend of mine lives down the road. He had a little community get-together and I got home and I invited a bunch of them to church. And you know what Kendra asked me from Africa? She's still trying to control me from Africa. <laughs> I told her she needs to worry about the lions and the giraffes and the lost people of Africa right now. Okay. But this is what she asked me. She said, did you go to the community thing? I said, I did. She said, did you invite people to church? I forgot all about that. <laughs> yeah, I invited them to church. And some of them are going to come. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that right now. So, so this is what happens. This is where you live. Some of you all didn't fill out cards, but I know where you live. So I went ahead and put your spot on there. Now, the red ones represent where you live. The black ones represent where you work or schools or ball fields or whatever. Okay? And when you look at it like this, instead of that over there, it starts getting like exciting. You're like, okay, that's a little bit 
daunting. This, this is when we're all representing Jesus Christ well. And let me just tell you, if you have what we saw today in this old dead church, he said, if you'll repent and if you'll remember and if you'll get back to what you're supposed to be doing... The spirit that I hold in my hand, I'm going to put him on you. And the pastor, the leader of that church, when he speaks, you'll hear from heaven. And and you'll begin to impact the world around you. So I'm calling you out. I am encouraging and inviting you to simply be the church in your circle. You say, well, I'm uncomfortable. I don't really know how to share the gospel. And so we got something for that too. Uh, Kyle stole something at the conference too. Okay. (laughs) So in your packets, we have these two little things that you'll find. First says my seven on it, and the other says the best news ever. Now, we were thinking about, okay, you know, people get nervous to share the gospel. Why? Because they feel like they're going to mess it up. People just get nervous because they're like, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going to get Romans Road, and I'm going to send it in the wrong direction, and we're just going to get this out of whack, and it's just going to go bad. Well, first things first, and I love the quote that we learned from the guys that, can anyone send someone to a second hell from trying to share the gospel to them? The answer is no, you can't. You can't mess up sharing the gospel. So you might as well start trying to spring them from the hell that they're already in. So what we have here is a little card that you can put in your Bible. You can post on your fridge. You can put in your car. You can take this wherever you are. And it's called the My 7. The My 7 is seven people that you are going to begin to pray for. To begin to allow God to just soak them in the, in the spirit, to soak them with prayer so that you can begin to open up opportunities to share the gospel to them. You see, we believe, and if you look at it, we believe that when you begin to pray for the lost, those that are around you that are lost, family members, coworkers, people that are friends on your sports teams, wherever you are, when you begin to pray for the lost, well, when you pray for them and you begin to share the gospel to them, you can expect confidently that God is going to work in powerful ways and change them. And so we have this for you to begin to pray for seven people. It's what we're asking for is put down seven names and begin praying for them. But then it gets to the telling part, all right? I I don't feel confident in sharing the gospel. So you know what we did? We made a little pamphlet that you can go to and begin to read every day. Just go through it a couple times a day, maybe right before you share the gospel, whatever it is. This is for you to gain confidence that you know what you're going to share and you're excited about it. This is called the best news ever. And so right now, I'm going to share the best news ever because the gospel is the good news. And when people have it, it is the best news. And so the best news works like this. And we have slides and you can walk through it with me. But it's so simple. And it just begins when you're beginning to share the gospel to go like this. Can I share the best news ever to you? And so they'll probably say, sure. And you say, all right, well, this is the best news I ever heard in my life. Well, to know the best news you got to start with the bad news. And the bad news is that we are all separated from God, right? We're all separated from God. We're all imperfect. We've all fallen short of God's glory. Romans 3.23, we've fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fallen short. And so we've been separated. And that's bad news to be separated from God because God is good and he's perfect and he's everything that we desire and he, he's all satisfying. He's everything that we desire and need. And so being separated from him, this is because of our sin. Well, that's the bad news. The news gets worse. There's worse news. And the worst news is that you and I, there's nothing we can do about our separation. 
We're absolutely stuck. And you see, Romans 3.10 says, none is righteous, not, no, not one. And this means that you can try to do as many good works. You can try to be baptized in water. You can try to do all this stuff, but without the good news of Christ, you are stuck and separated from God. And so this is the worst news. And Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. And so when we die separated from God, we're not just talking a physical death, we're talking our spiritual death. We are eternally dead. And so that's the worst news. The bad news, we are separated because of sin. The worst news, we can't do anything about it. Well, the good news. The good news is that Jesus did for you and he did for me what we cannot do for ourselves. You see, Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us that while we were still, or that he, uh, God, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, bad news, you're separated. You can't do anything about it, but Jesus did for you. He paid the debt that you couldn't pay for yourself. You see, that's the good news, but the best news. You want to know what the best news is? The best news is that you don't have to do anything to earn that gift. It's a free gift. Romans 6.23 says the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And to receive that gift, this is all the Bible says for us to do. Romans 10.9 says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Now that is the best news ever. But you see, you don't want to just end it there. And so we put this question, a good question for you to ask when you share the gospel. And that is, can you think, can you give me any reason today to not receive the best gift ever? Can you give me any reason? And in that moment, that's when you can pray with them and you can walk them through how to receive Christ and be saved. And you know what? If you turn to the back of your pamphlet, you see, if they receive the best gift ever, if they receive Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it then becomes the best day ever. And we have that so that we can put that down and we can baptize them and make them a part of this Beyond These Walls campaign. Amen. Amen. So you have... We want you to fill these out, put them somewhere prominent where you see every day to remind you to pray so that you would be willing to tell and so that then you can expect God to move and do something great. And right, if you're uncomfortable, just put this, read it every day and you will learn and be given the ability to share your faith. And you say, okay, now what? Okay, let me tell you what our goals are. Okay, our goals for next year, just so you'll know, attendance to be 400, we address that. Baptisms to be 25. MPC, Metropolitan Planning Commission, just gave us approval uh, to uh, extend our parking lot. And ultimately when we get ready to build a building, we're already set up with MPC. Missions. We, we, uh, we have to be involved in a world of missions because we're called to do that. You may have seen the 11B trailer out there. Friends, good, good friends of mine, Tommy and Bobby Evans, they used to travel with us on youth. They built that thing with their bare hands and, and we have been given that thing and we doctored it up, put a little teeth on the back of it. So we go downtown, we feed a couple hundred people, give them showers. That's what missions looks like. That's 12 people per week for 52 weeks a year. We are the distribution center for 
uh, Baskets of Hope with CARM uh, in, in November, where about 50 families come and get resources for, for the holidays. Uh, we do family on missions. We're going to do two of those a, a, a year. We've got one you can sign up for that happens next Saturday. Uh, we've got people in uh, Malaysia, the Walkers, Jim and Shoney. We've got Richard and Emily Akakpo in Ghana, Africa. We've got Clark and Kelsey, my son-in-law and daughter in uh, Kenya, Africa, and my wife, Kendra. Uh, we've got Brad and Christy in Honduras. We've got Rachel, who goes to Brazil all the time. And we'll be taking, hopefully, maybe uh, 13 to 15 people on different trips next year. God put, has called us. God is resourcing us. God is involved in building his church, not here, but around the world, and you can be a part of it. So, so as our church grows, I mean, this is funny. I had a friend of mine. He's a church planner. He says, how many services are you running? I said, two. He said, how many people go? I told him. He said, how many seats are in there? I said, 300. He said, you need to add another service. I said, why? He said, it's getting crowded. Did anybody in here feel a little bit crowded today? You lying right now. Okay. This is what he asked me. It's funny. I said, well, it's not, it's not 75% full. He said, those are old numbers. He said, people aren't warm and cozy like they used to be. He said, you go to the movies. Do you go in there and sit right down next to somebody? I said, I go to the movies and no, I don't. And you don't either. If you do, they're going to move. You come sit next to me. I'm going to scoot down. I need a little space. Okay. It's the same in the church. And so we have to add multiple services. Ultimately, we will build a new building. Let me show you this. You've seen drawings out there. That's a five and a half million dollar building. This is a three and a half to four million dollar building. This is our new floor plans. Okay. I'll begin right here. You come in. This is our, this is the building we're in right now. There'll be a corridor going here. This is a courtyard outside, courtyard outside, huge gathering area, coffee shop, bridal room, uh, restrooms in the blue right here. And and we live in a culture we're used to. You didn't go out of the church. You remember that when you're a kid and you say, mom, I need to go to the bathroom. Well, you're going to have to wait. Did anybody have parents like that? Okay, you can pee in the pew, but you ain't leaving this room, okay? And, and, and that's the way I was raised. Now, I think I'm going to go outside. What for? I can clip my toenails. I don't know why everybody leaves, okay? But everybody's going in. Now y'all are going, man, I need to go to the bathroom. I ain't getting up today. Okay, so what we did, this is a passageway. We're double doors, so it, it softens that, so it's not distracting. And this is the worship center. It seats 750. People say, oh, is that enough? Yes, it is, because it, uh, it, it, it works well with the, with the space we have for children, preschool, and our parking Okay, it works well. We'll fill it up, and then we'll put some more people in it. When that was full, we'll go plant a church down the road. Amen. Now, this is what stokes me up right here. This is preschool and children. They're getting 27% of all of our square footage. Why? Because they're coming in by the bus loads. It's like the caravan in Mexico, okay? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm not kidding. Listen to this. Four and a half years ago, Reva knows this, they didn't have any babies, They'd gone for a year, and I don't think they even had a, a visitor in the preschool, okay? Last week, we had 50, okay? Amen. amen. And those 50, amen. Yeah. It's like a fertility clinic. <laughs> and like, and so, and they grow up and become, and they grow up and become, see, she's letting, she's all right. She's all right, right there. We're bringing the rest of them in. They'll all be making noise here in just a minute. And if they're out there, Karen, you can come on in. I want to show you why we have to allow for this. There'll be a preschool slash Mother's Day out right here on this side. And it's equipped for that. It's got exterior uh, egress doors and all that stuff. Um, and so that's about a three and a half million dollar project that maybe, when, when are we going to do that? Yeah, come on up. Let's just bring them right on up here with me. I'm going to show you why we have to think forward, okay? Um, 
I want you to know, people ask all the time, when do you think we'll build a building? And my answer is the same all the time. Kyle, let you get rid of that table for me, buddy. <clears throat> Here's the answer to the question. When God says to build a building, we'll build a building. And let me tell you who he's going to tell. He won't just come to the pastor and say, it's time to build a building. He won't come to you and tell you it's time to build a building unless he comes and tells me. He'll tell us it's time to build a building. And we will know. And when we get ready to build a building, it's going to be amazing. And God's going to open up the floodgates again. And I, when I said that earlier about being honored to get to pastor at this church, I am not making that. Look at this. I don't take any credit for any of this. This is the fingerprints and the handiwork of a great, great God. Amen. Is this insane or what? Look at this. Wow. Man, y'all are beautiful. You guys are beautiful. Hey there. That's why we, yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yeah. My wife does that sometimes. It's quite, I'm used to it. It's good. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You get, you get them lined up, Karen. I'm going to step off right here. Okay. Why? Listen, why? Why? Do we think forward? Why do we set goals? Why do we talk about beyond these walls? Because Jesus said he's going to build his church, and he does it on the outside, and he does it on the inside, and we want all that God wants to send us. And I'm, look, is this beautiful or what? Show, your, show some love for these boys and girls and the workers. And I'm going to put in a shameless plug. If you don't help keep kids in preschool, if you're not working back there, shame on you in Jesus' name. Okay? Now, if you're a weirdo, we don't want you in there. We'll do a background check. We'll find you. But if you are a Jesus-loving, straight-up, normal person with no background, you better sign up because we need you back there. You can see this. I can't, I can't make this up. I cannot make this up. I cannot make those charts up. I mean, I could, but I, no, I, I wouldn't. It, wouldn't. it wouldn't even be that good. Listen, God is at work in the life of our church. And I want you to know today, Kyle shared the gospel with that little track. And I want you to know today, if you're in here and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you personally right now, I want you to hear this pastor. God is alive and well. And he loves you right where you are in the middle of whatever you're in the middle of. He could not love you more tomorrow than he does today, and he loved you the same yesterday. Because his love is only based on the fact that he is love, not you. If it's based on you, you're suffering. But he loves you. You are the pinnacle of his creation, so much so that he came to this earth in the form of a man named Jesus, and he gave his life, dying on a cross to save you, to rescue you from your sinful condition. And if you'll simply humble yourself and say, God, I feel your Holy Spirit speaking to my heart. I repent of my sins. I change my mind. I'm now in agreement with you. Please come into my life and save me. He'll save you today. That's what the Bible says. And then he'll send his Holy Spirit in to seal you and to lead you and to protect you and comfort you and use you in that same kingdom agenda that rescued you from your sinful condition. And that is good, good news. Amen. You got, give me, amen. He amen me right there. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Okay? Hey, you guys are beautiful rock stars. I love you all. 
You just made my day. If nobody else loves you, your pastor loves the stew out of you, okay? And we even got a mermaid up here, just saying. Okay? Join me in prayer, and then I'm going to let them, as soon as I pray, I'm going to let them go uh, to their moms and dads, and then we're going to sing a song and dismiss. Amen? Let's pray.